what we're seeing in utilities is before you apply like intelligent software, there's a lot of manual operations and you're dealing with a very critical system. These are grids after all. They, you know, they power our schools, they power like our hospitals. So stress levels on employees is pretty big when you're trying to make sure that you have reliable sources of energy hitting the grid at all time. And it's a very manual process because you're looking at wow, where am I getting my energy from today? Uh, how is it going to be delivered? Do we have transmission problems? Do we have distribution problems? So that's a lot of stress, um, you know, on people that are, are, are working. What we like to do is to move people that are in that in the middle of that loop onto the loop in a more supervisory mode and let automation and intelligence like um, take over, which reduces the amount of manual decision-making that has to be done, reduces the amount of error, errors. It allows people to be able to take on more operations. Baritone presents Adventures in AI, the podcast that dives into the many ways artificial intelligence is shaping our future for the better. I'm your host, Kevin Ells, and today we'll be talking with Sean McAvoy, Senior VP of Energy Solutions here at Baritone, about using AI to improve energy and utility operations. Welcome, Sean. Thanks, Kevin, and uh, really looking forward to uh, talking about our cool and great innovations in uh, AI for the energy industry. I'm thrilled to have you here today, Sean. And as you can catch a little from the accent, Sean is not a native of the U.S. In fact, we were both born in the British Isles. We'll keep the presentation in American English, so you won't be hearing any lorries or bonnets or boots, if we can help it, but you might hear a brilliant or smashing here and there. So, Sean, let's go ahead and get started. Frequently in today's news, we're learning that Energy Grid is facing some unprecedented challenges from transmission and distribution system operators, equipment providers, energy aggregators, and even the communities they serve. What is going on here? Well, Kevin, we have this transition in the industry right now from fossil fuels to renewable energies, otherwise known as distributed energy resources. And these distributed energy resources, they're not plug and play. You can't just spin them up, plug them into the grid and think hunky-dory, everything is going to work out fine. Renewable energies, like they suffer from intermittency and invariability because of the weather. And that causes like major stabilization issues for um, the actual grid. And stabilization issues in terms of frequency control and voltage control. So you have to really think about, you know, when and how you're going to integrate them. And you need a lot of intelligence um, around that to do something as simple as solar smoothing, uh, for example. Um, you also have, you know, challenges around um, congestion across the grid. Now that it is no longer centralized, used to be centralized, coal plant, gas plant, flip the switch, you know, you get nice energy flowing on a single line, you know, directly to the city. Now you have distributed energy resources all over. You have, you know, uh, wind turbines, you know, out in deserts, up in hills, you have hydro close to water, you have solar um, everywhere. So you're getting energy being pumped into the grid from many different directions. And our traditional legacy infrastructure was not set up for that. So then you get things like congestion. And congestion leads to energy dumping and energy curtailment. Um, so they're kind of just some of like the problems and challenges that the uh, industry, energy industry is facing right now as it tries to reduce its uh, carbon footprint. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, in the past, we didn't have to worry about the fluctuations in energy when the sun comes out and it gets cloudy. 
um, today. We try to predict the weather. In fact, I'm sure AI is being used to predict the weather, and I can see that it could probably help us here. So without AI, why is it so challenging to manage this mixture of energy resources? If you think about our energy grid system as a dynamic, ever-changing, real-time system, I mean changing in milliseconds. If you turn on a switch in your house, you're going to consume energy. You imagine all the houses and buildings in the industry, energy consumption is fluctuating and the demand is fluctuating at the millisecond level. And as you add more and more devices and you have increased energy demand and consumption, especially with the proliferation of electric cars, electric charging stations, EVs everywhere, how can a human possibly be able to work and understand those changes dynamically in real time. So you need to build what we call AI models or artificial intelligence models of the actual real-time dynamic systems as the system as a whole, and then broken down into right down to the device level to uh, be able to understand the changes, predict the changes, and then to make autonomous decisions in terms of what's going to happen next. Where are we going to deliver energy from? What is the fastest path? What is the cheapest um, option to actually uh, take? There are some of the things in terms of like the challenges that have been faced. That makes sense. And how did they do it today without AI? Is it just prediction based on experience from the past? Right now, it is it is more of a rules-based and reactive-based um, systems that are in place. You, know, you have like um, your traditional energy management systems, uh, derm systems, distributed energy management systems, and they incorporate like lots of rules. Uh, rules are pretty much static. They're not like dy dy dynamic. They don't change as your system and your grid is actually changing. So a lot of it is based on rules today, um, which doesn't help in terms of if there's an extreme event coming. It's hard to do predictions when you're based on rules, hard to do forecasting when you're based on rules. Typically, the forecasting is always looking backwards at what happened last week or two weeks ago, or even a year, or this time last year. Um, well, using AI is you're using a lot of real-time data um, to train your model and to keep your model updated all the time. So you're making uh, decisions based on not just what happened in the past, but what has happened at this millisecond. So what are the key macro topics that are being addressed today? Well, we have a bunch of topics that are at the forefront of you know industry analysts and utilities today. Um, a lot of them can be bunched up into what we call like the four Ds, decarbonization, decentralization, democratization, and digitization. Try saying that three times fast. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> Even one time. Who came up with that one? <laughs> the decarbonization is one we all know. We're trying to like transition you know, to more of green energy and a lot of companies, and not just utilities, but commercial and industrial companies, private companies, um, even like people down at the residential um area like they're all looking to reduce the carbon footprint and we have you know 2030 goals in the industry we have 2050 goals like worldwide become you know carbon net uh neutral so decarbonization is one that is a key drive driver and that means like transitioning more to green energy such as you know solar and hydro and wind we also have decentralization um as as you add more and more distributed energy resources they're spread like further and wide apart not centralized in terms of centralized coal or centralized gas so decentralizing the grid to have more options that help with grid resiliency is also a driver 
um, democratization. Um, this is probably my favorite one. Like no longer the generation of energy is in the hands of the utilities. It is now down with everyone down to the residential area. I can have solar on my roof. I can have a Tesla battery in my garage and I am my own mini virtual power plant generating energy uh, to, for use in my home to store in a battery so I can use it later or to be able to give that energy back to the actual grid. And because you have all of these new assets and new distributed energy resources entering uh, the grid and providing energy from far off places, you then need um, digitization, which is the technology and the intelligence needed to be able to orchestrate all of these uh, devices, making sure that energy is being delivered at best cost, making sure that utilities know when and where they're going to get their energy from and how they're going to write, uh, route that to the um, substation that needs that energy the most. And then last, you have probably some of the most important ones is resiliency and reliability. I mean, as we notice, even with our weather conditions, we had those um, heat waves in California, which caused fires, brought down the grid. Uh, we also had, you know, extreme um, cold temperatures in Texas uh, this year, which also took down the grid. And then we're also suffered from cyber attacks as well with the colonial pipeline. So the ability to protect um, the grid against um, extreme events, whether that be um, a weather event or whether that be a cyber event, and also the ability to um, recover from that um, extreme event very fastly to normalize the grid again and bring back the reliability. They're probably like, I would say, the top five you know, key issues that are driving uh, the industry today. Yeah, and I imagine in doing all of that, you also make it more cost efficient too. Moving energy, it loses its strength over a distance. So the more efficiently you can deliver it from its point of origin would also be beneficial. Right. And that's kind of like how drive the new kind of phenomenon of microgrids and uh, uh, nanogrids, such that you are creating microgrids around, for example, critical infrastructure, such as hospitals, um, services um, that are required by um, communities. Um, you're also creating microgrids around key um, industrial and commercial areas. And because that microgrid is localized to, um, to that specific um, area, you're not necessarily have to worry too much about weather because your energy resources and your green energy are very close to the actual buildings or the housing or the communities that it is actually um, servicing. So instead of like your solar being like, you know, 100 miles out in the desert providing you um, energy and there's suddenly there's a sandstorm and it knocks out a lot of your solar. Uh, with microgrids, you're very localized. We're having solar on the roof of every house, every building, may, maybe a solar farm, such that it's all localized, it's all closer, and that's a good way of reducing um, actual costs because you can uh, prevent damage. And you're storing it locally too, so you don't have to worry about it getting back to you when you need it. You're also storing it locally too, yep. Yep. So this sounds like a really demanding challenge. Can it really be fixed? Yeah, I mean, you can fix this, of course, with, you know, intelligence. The more intelligence you put in for um, optimization, you're also going to uh, reduce risk. You're going to eliminate uncertainty. Like some of the ways of eliminating um, uncertainty is with predictability and forecasting. Like, for example, what we do for utilities is we provide, um, for example, predictability around solar generation. We are ingesting 
third-party data sources around weather data, we are then coupling that with actual performance parameters of the actual solar panel to determine how much irradiation you're going to get from your solar panel, like in the next five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, day ahead and week ahead. And what this does for the utilities, it really allows them to plan better. Like if they know, for example, oh, I'm gonna have a drop in the afternoon because we're expected to have cloud cover, they can start to spin up like other devices, whether it has to be a gas turbine, it could be a diesel turbine that could be drawing from wind, uh, that could be drawing from their battery storage. So it allows like the utilities to actually plan and allows them to plan in a way that, oh, you know what? My forecast is going to tell me we're going to have like energy from our solar throughout the whole day. I'm going to totally turn down my diesel generators, which is my free spinning reserve. That's going to save me thousands of dollars. I can pass on this to my rate pairs. And then you use like also optimization. So optimization in terms of economic dispatch, for example, from what resources am I going to tap into to be able to solve for this demand that I'm getting in this city, for example. And it could be a really hot day. Everyone is at home. They're turning under AC. There is a, a anomaly in terms of we weren't expecting this demand. I need some more energy now. Well, artificial intelligence can do two things. Number one, it can actually predict that demand because we're already forecasting the weather conditions in the area. So we can send signals to utility saying, hey, utility, you're going to get a spike in energy demand from this city in the next you know, one hour. And then what we do is on top of that, we're like, our optimal dispatch strategy for you is to take 50% from solar in the first hour. I want you to take then, you know, 20% from your bad battery storage and then the remainder from, you know, traditional um, energy sources. And you can do that at an optimal economic cost. So you're, you're taking your cheaper one first to fulfill the majority of the load that's actually needed. So now you have like optimal economic dispatch. On top of that, you want to look at like, well, how am I routing this energy? And is there going to be a problem with congestion somewhere such that I'm, I'm going to lose some? So then you do like optimal routing and flow control from substation to substation to make sure that at, that energy is going to get there in its full and maximum capacity instead of being curtailed. Makes sense. So as I know, since I work at Veritone, we have solutions developed for these challenges. I know you've described a little about this with forecasting and optimizing. What else do we offer in our uh, suite of solutions? So one of the main things, so I've spoken about forecasting and the, the ability to be able to predict renewable energy generation. We've spoken about our ability to be able to predict what the actual demand is. Another one area that we're able to, uh, a solution we have is to be able to predict the fluctuation in prices. So for example, utilities are not just the only uh, group or entity that is generating energy. You also have independent power providers. And these independent power providers are typically uh, private companies that have built you know, uh, solar farms or wind tar turbine farms. They have uh, energy storage in terms of like large ba batteries and they're selling energy to the actual utility. And they're also drawing energy from the utility to um, charge their bad battery when they need to. And so the key thing for these independent power producers is, uh, what price can I sell my energy at best price to the actual utility? Uh, what is the best price 
to actually charge my battery once I once I have dispatched it, especially at nighttime when your solar is no longer uh, working. So we have like solutions that will develop models of pricing for uh, particular what's called locational marginal pricing nodes that are attached to some of the um, some of the wholesale markets like Kaiso in California or, for example, ERCOT in uh, Texas. And that allows independent power producers to get the best bang for the energy that they actually have. Um, on top of that, we have what's called predictive controllers. So the devices on the grid, you need to be able to orchestrate these devices. Doesn't matter if it's solar, if it's wind, if it's like hydro, if it's an inverter, if it's a transformer. These devices need to be controlled. And when you have many different types of devices, distributed energy resources, you need to have predictive control. So Veritone has its own controllers that will control those assets on the grid. But what separates them and differentiates them from other controllers in the market is the fact that our controllers leverage forecasts and they become predictive controllers. So what we're doing is we are sending our controllers, for example, who's controlling an inverter, we are sending them data ahead of time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, to say that the solar power generation is going to increase, you're going to expect this amount of uh, um, solar output or energy in the next five minutes, 20 minutes, you need to start kind of preparing yourself and ramping up um, to take this spike. Because as you know, solar energy is not constant. And you know, if you get cloud cover moving off of a solar panel and the sun hits it, you're gonna get a big spike in energy um, coming from uh, your solar that may hit your inverter who's not prepared for it. And then they start spinning like out of control and they end up like burning out. And we've come across that many times. So we're able to tell our inverters, for example, ahead of time, how much energy you're going to get so they're actually prepared. Not only that, but we're also synchronizing with the, uh, with the grid itself and understanding what the demand is such that we can ramp up and open up the inverter pipe to say only deliver this much energy on the AC side of the inverter to the grid because that's all it needs. Even though I know we're producing more, we're gonna, we're gonna direct the excess to our battery storage. So we're charging our battery at the same time as we are, are dispatching into the grid and maximizing the, uh, the full amount of energy that is being generated by the solar panels and not losing um, any of it. So that's just like another example of one of the solutions we actually have. Like uh, the buying and selling of energy on the wholesale markets, we have our arbitrage solution. The controlling of the assets is our uh, predictive uh, controller. We have forecasting solutions for generation price and demand. And we also have a synchronization solution which synchronizes all of the assets that are on the grid or even within a microgrid such that we have the ability to island the microgrid away from the main grid and then we synchronize it again when things have turned back to normal. So basically we have a full suite of energy solutions that complement existing energy systems out there such as ADMS systems, DERM systems and EMS systems in the market. And these systems all integrate together. I imagine with AI, they're learning as they're being used, so they get better over time? Oh, yeah. We have, in all of our models and our AI, 
And we're based on a, um, a Hamiltonian approach um, to AI, which allows it to be have distributed AI um, throughout the actual infrastructure of a grid or a microgrid, which really lowers the footprint needed in terms of compute and hardware, because we have everything locally directly plugged into inverters, plugged into battery storage. And this AI approach also has um, adaptation learning and reinforcement learning. So once it is installed, it is constantly reading the parameters from the actual device that it is managing or from the model that we have created such that it gets smarter and better and performs better like over time. The more data you have with AI, the actual better, better, better you, it will perform. Exactly. So that's impressive. I, I imagine there are some pretty amazing results that can be delivered from these types of solutions. Could you share a few of the ones that excite you the most? Yeah, and our most recent like implementation um, of our software um, and solution, um, one of the key goals of this utility company was to be able to reduce their free spinning reserves. I mean, this uh, utility was carrying about 750 megawatts of free spinning reserves, which is a lot. That costs a lot of money in terms of, you know, diesel turbines and gas turbines to have this free spinning reserve available because they weren't forecasting and predicting how much was going to come from the renewable uh, energy. So every time there was like a gap in renewable energy because of cloud cover or the wind stopped or it stopped raining, um, basically that gap would be um, serviced by these diesel turbines which were running in the background. Um, so you got to ask yourself, so what's the point of renewables if you always have fossil fuel like running alongside of it just because um, you, your confidence is not high that you're always going to have 100% you know, supply mix. So we're able to provide that like forecasting um, to these uh, utilities that allow, gives them a level of confidence such that they can reduce their spinning reserves, which is like thousands of dollars like er, er, every day. So that's like one of the things you can do. We can also increase um, the amount of energy that is being produced because we are constantly looking at ways for not to curtail energy and not to dump energy. And that is through the intelligent management of the devices, such as the inverters and the battery storage on the actual grid. We try to only deliver what is needed to the grid and not like excess. And if there is excess, we want to put that so somewhere so we can use that later when the solar is not actually, actually um, available. So then you're going to rely on your battery storage to offset uh, peak times. Also, with like price forecasting, we can get the best price um, at the right time for your for your actual needs, and we can inform you, for example, when is the best time to discharge energy from your battery, and when is the best price to actually charge energy from your battery. And this can be the same on a, on a residential um, stage as well. Same with flow control. I was going to say, I need one of these for my house. Yeah, because I have solar in my house, and it's like I'm giving them whatever they want whenever they want it. I could literally have my own little mini Veritone application running there and giving them up the best rate for me. And some people in Veritone actually have it. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. So they're like, especially if you have a battery in your garage, that's when it works the best. You have your own storage, you have your own solar, and you can either sell it back to uh, your utility in, in the form of credits, or you can offset your peak time uh, in the evening when your solar is, is dying down as it gets darker, you just aren't using your, your battery storage. Makes sense. Yeah. Excellent. Does this, I mean, that's a stupid question, honestly. It's going to say, does this change people's jobs? Of course it does. I mean, people probably couldn't even do this in the past, so you're not really stealing jobs away with the AI. Um, but what 
what does it do to change people's jobs or make their jobs better? What we're seeing in utilities is before you apply like intelligent software, there's a lot of manual operations and you're dealing with a very critical system. These are grids after all. They, you know, they power our schools, they power like our hospitals. So stress levels on employees is pretty big when you're trying to make sure that you have reliable sources of energy hitting the grid at all time. And it's a very manual process because you're looking at where am I getting my energy from today? Uh, How is it going to be delivered? Do we have transmission problems? Do we have distribution problems? So that's a lot of stress, um, you know, on people that are, are, are working. And then you have some people who are just doing the same job every day, which is okay, press this switch, turn on this inverter, turn off this inverter. What we like to do is to move people that are in that in the middle of that loop onto the loop in a more supervisory mode and let automation and intelligence like um, take over, which reduces the amount of manual decision making that has to be done, reduces the amount of error errors. Um, and also, it allows people to be able to take on more operations. So the utilities are trying to expand or constantly now trying to expand because of the increase of demand of um, energy. So people can take on new roles in terms of uh, developing new microgrids, applying new technology, applying new distributed energy resources from fuel cells to cryoenergy to hydrogen-based uh, fuel to your you know your solar, your wind, um, and your your um, your hydro, so they can start like working on grid modernization. And that's where all the jobs are going today in terms of a grid and expansion is in grid modernization and innovation. And innovation includes things what we do, which is artificial intelligence and how you apply that to grid modernization and transformation. So it's taking more of these subject matter experts and moving away from twiddling knobs to using their experience to apply this technology and innovate for the future. Yeah, and you can't do this without the people who actually know and understand the makeup of the grid, know and understand the makeup of of flow control and what impacts frequency, what impacts voltage. Um, All those people are still needed. We just need them in a more innovative manner. So this is some great insight. Um, It's really just a snapshot of what we're doing here. Where can we learn more about what's available from Veritone. Uh, I know you've been speaking at a number of conferences as part of the marketing team. I know what this content is, so I'm kind of answering my own question here. We can find more content on this on our website. We have a whole industry solution on energy. We have uh, a number of webinars where you've spoken in great detail with other experts on this. We actually started a blog on um, smart energy, so you can learn about this technology, uh, the terminology, and how it relates to each other. Where else would you suggest people um, learn more about us besides talking to you? of course yeah i mean if you're like highly uh if you're in on the technical side where we get a lot of people from the utility side of the house like looking for our software we have a whole range of white papers in our resource section and our resource library on our website that will go from the high level of what what ai for energy does what are the benefits who are our personas and customers right down to these are the types of AI mathematical equations that you, we actually deploy um, to actually um, solve your actual problems. I mean, we have something like uh, over 30 patents at this stage uh, um, on our te- te- technology. So again, if you want to go from the high level through the blogs we have, 
um, through the white papers that we have made um, available right down to like patent information that is all available on our website. It's available online through videos, blogs, and even this podcast. I've lost count of how many PhDs we now have on our team who can also be um, available for some consultation when it gets to much more complex levels than you can get just reading the papers. Oh, yeah. Like Dr. Wolf Cohn, for example, he's our kind of ahead of like data science on the energy side. Right. He's written like six books. He has over 100 refereed papers, 25 of which are available on IEEE. A lot of the patents are in his name. He loves talking about his te- technology. As long as you want to get down deep into it, he's available. Yeah. He might be a bit much for me to handle in a podcast, though. He might be like, you lost me at the first thing you said. So yeah. th- thank you, Sean. This, is, this has been very insightful. And for a person who has a Solar panels on the roof, batteries in the garage, and uses a ton of electricity. And that's all about all I know about the power system. Uh, this has been very easy to consume, and uh, I've learned a lot today, so thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we sign off today? Um, no, not at this point. I mean, it's a pleasure talking to you, Kevin. I'm more than happy to come back and talk more on another topic. Uh, I think maybe the next time, like microgrids, is, a, is an area that we could focus on like 100% just did a conference today, speaking event with Wood McKenzie and some other like great speakers from Liberty Utility and Bloom Bloom Energy. Um, But it's something that I think we should definitely do a podcast on is the uh, evolution of microgrids. Okay, well, I'll have you back soon. And I'm just going to squeeze this in because I said I would. This has been a brilliant conversation. And I've had a smashing time chatting with you. I look forward to having you back soon, Sean. And uh, you have yourself a great day. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Excellent. I'd like to thank our audience today for listening in to Adventures in AI, the Veritone podcast. Join us again next time when we discuss more ways AI is changing the world and shaping the future for the better. Have a great day.